I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we're going to be discussing the seventh episode of the third season of Supernatural titled Fresh Blood. Jamie, what did you think? I said, they're not going to do vampires again. (laughs) Vampires are almost fucking extinct. I know. Every single episode where we have vampires, they make a point of the fact that vampires are almost extinct. And yet I'm pretty sure at this point, they are the most common monster that we've come across in the three seasons of the show. Like, am I wrong? Ghosts. Like, ghosts, spirits. but they're not a monster. There's no. like, there's something else. So I think it really is vampires are the most common thing they've come across. Yeah, the only other option would maybe be demons. Yeah, but again, like, I don't know if that really counts as a monster. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Let me put on my fucking clown nose. Because <laughs> every goddamn time, I'm like, yeah, no, they're meant to be almost extinct. Surely we won't have... More fucking vampires. Right. You know these things that are sort of... They're so goddamn uncommon that John never felt it was necessary to tell the boys <laughs> about them that Sam and Dean, until like, what, a year and a half ago, hadn't ever fucking come across vampires. It's so fucking funny. And now every other goddamn week. And it's so funny because they keep talking... Like, even in this episode... They talk about how that it's we're kind a of dying the main breed. Plot of the episode yeah. is that he's kidnapping people and trying to remake his family. Yeah, exactly. Because he, like all of his family was killed, and now he's like all alone, and there's no one else like him. Like, it's literally hilarious that they keep trying. It's funny. It's almost like they're like, we know that we keep showing you vampires, which would make you think that they're really common. So we're gonna keep reminding you using the dialogue that actually they're not very common. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I, yeah, look, I think my issue is I never thought I'd say this, but I had two higher expectations <laughs> for Supernatural. <laughs> Your expectations have basically been buried in the ground. How- <laughs> I was expecting the concepts and the lore to at least make, like, a modicum of sense. Vampires are extinct, right? This didn't have to be a thing. Yeah, they, they chose, chose to, to make, make it a thing. thing. They could have easily done the first episode they did on vampires, Dead Man's Blood. They could have done that episode and had Sam and Dean just know about vampires. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it's been a while since we saw a vampire. They didn't have to say anything else, but they made a point that they are ex- like almost extinct and they didn't even know they were still around and like all this other fucking shit. It's just... It is ridiculous. Although, while we are on the topic of vampires, and obviously a lot of this episode, we're going to talk about them because they are the, you know, antagonist. Well, one of the antagonists, because obviously the other antagonist is Gordon, and sort of arguably Bella. Jamie's going on a facial journey right now. (laughs) The inclusions of vampires, yet again, doesn't make fucking sense, and it's annoying me. I know it's annoying. And we do need to move on because otherwise I'll just sit here for saying, like 45 minutes and yeah, be mad about it. Though that, I think that'd be a very fun episode. Like, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but well, just me sitting here going, but vampires are meant to be extinct. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode that's just on the creatures. Chime off and let us know if you'd be into that. <laughs> While we are on the topic of vampires, yeah. We do get a little bit more about like the lore yeah. surrounding vampires this episode. And so I wanted to like touch on that a little bit before we. Can I move do on from it too far. like the lore surrounding vampires better. 
as yeah. explained by this episode. Like, they've actually sort of given us... A bit more depth. A bit, a bit of actual information, so it actually does make sense. Yeah. And, like, the whole... Because, like, the way John explains it in Dead Man's Blood is like, oh, yeah, sunlight's just, like, a bad sunburn. Yeah, we them. made fun of it extensively. <laughs> yeah. And I think we were correct in yeah. making fun of it extensively. I stand by it. In that episode, because based on the way it is presented, that makes sense. Which I think says a lot about how shitty... Like, we talk a lot about how shitty John is, but, like, I we just keep getting backed up. Like, and John's not even in this episode, so I don't want to fixate on him, but, like, no. yeah, he explains it so badly, and it does not make sense why they wouldn't just suck it up and go out in the day. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing. Based on this episode, it makes sense. Yeah. Because the lights are so bright and distracting and they can't exactly. see jack shit. And, like, it sort of negates the advantage they have from the, you know, ed- enhanced strength and senses. And yeah. that's a, that makes sense. It's literally, like, sensory overload. Yes. So, like, it makes a lot of sense because the way, yeah, that John described it was like, oh, it's like a bad sunburn. And we were like, so? I've had, fuck- I'm a fucking redhead. You think I haven't had bad sunburn in my life? It doesn't stop me from fighting for my life. It's just, like, uncomfy if I have to sit on a leather chair. But, like, in this instance, it's like, it's not just that the sun stings them no it's that they can't fucking see yeah which is way more of an inhibition than like a light sunburn (laughs) like yeah absolutely and like they're completely overloaded we see it with all of the vampire characters excluding the guy who's turning people because he's adjusted to it yeah and we also don't see him i don't think we don't have anything from his pov yeah but also i don't think we see him during like in brightly lit areas he's really only in dim areas because he knows yeah, exactly. And even on that point, like, we learned that, and I suppose, like, vampire lore generally, this is kind of included, so I get that's probably why they didn't expand on this immediately in the show, but we get, like, explicit confirmation that they have really good smell and really yep. good hearing, and, like, the difference between going out at night when the world is generally just quieter and there's less yep. around compared to going out during the day where there's a million people everywhere and, like, there's just so many sights and smells and sounds. Like I said, it's, like, sensory overload. Yeah. yeah. And their senses are, like, so advanced that they are just constantly sort of bombarded with all this information and, like, the yeah. light is too bright and they can't fucking see. That's a big problem. Yeah. But, no, so I do think this episode does a way better job compared to every other episode we've had on vampires before. Yeah. actually explaining, like, oh, this is why they don't actually... Do you think they realise... Maybe. Do you Maybe think they like, got to this point and they were like, fuck, we really haven't fleshed this out very well. Like, we really haven't... We've uh... done, like, half a dozen fucking vampire episodes by this goddamn point. <laughs> and we still know actually jack shit about vampires. Yeah. And I think I mentioned at the end of last episode, but the second half of this season really is just, like... Some really... The writing team slaps. The, yeah. So, like, this was a Sarah Gamble episode. It was directed by Kim Manners. And actually, I want to quickly note, like, the direction in this episode, I really liked it yeah i thought like especially like having the like povs of the vampires and stuff and like the way that that was shot like the scene where gordon is just like fixating on that like pocket watch i thought was like really good it really got the point across it felt very like i really like the fight scenes in this episode oh and that's rare for you yeah usually normally like normally i'm a big fan of the choreography (laughs) but i hate the sound effects yeah i think the sound effects here were a good choice i'm gonna say something a little different a little refreshing because gordon has advanced strength it makes yeah. sense that every time he hits something it sounds fucking severe because yeah. he's a vampire it's meant to sound severe 
My issue is when it's just two fucking regular ass humans, <laughs> you know, and it's over exaggerated to the extreme. Yeah. It makes sense here. You know, like the, the cohesion of the story here was actually generally pretty good. And I think this episode does a really fantastic job of asking that question of we have this character whose morality is all vampires are evil mm-hmm. and they must die. Yeah. And then they turn him into a vampire to see what. Yeah, and what is interesting is that his his opinion stays the same. Yeah. And I actually wrote in my notes, and I was thinking when I was watching this episode, that this is quite truly yeah. the worst possible thing that Gordon could, like, imagine. Like, yeah. knowing that he nightmare. is... Yeah, exactly. And he even makes the point in the episode that he's going to... Kill himself. Kill himself. Yeah. Because he believes that that is the correct and moral thing to do. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about Gordon's morals. I would still say that they're a bit... Bad. Interesting. Big yikes worthy. Big yikes worthy. But at least they're very consistent. Like, he's very strong. Do you remember we talked about a while ago? Actually, I think you made the point that when you're comparing Sam and Dean, Sam is a very chaotic character. It's really hard to predict him, what his decisions are going to be. But Dean is very predictable. And how we've talked about that kind of contrasted the way that they're presented as characters. It's kind of interesting looking at Gordon because, again, like... He's almost a super predictable character in one sense and also really chaotic in another. Yeah. Like, he's chaotic because he will really quickly flip from being an ally yeah. to being an antagonist, like, really, yeah. like, back and forth like a bloody ping pong. Yeah. But his morals the whole time... His alliances like, shift like nobody's goddamn business. Yeah, but... But his, like... His morals reasoning and his mission are, never change. They never are unwavering. Yeah. I do think that that is really interesting and while we're talking about gordon and his morals yeah i do want to point out that we know from canon that vampires can choose yes to not attack people yes right which means and i recognize that gordon is a brand new vampire and he is not used to his urges and all these things which makes it harder he's not bella twilight (laughs) he doesn't have a mind (laughs) but he does kill humans Right. In the car scene with yeah. the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, and we know that he has a choice in that. And the thing is, like, he has the conversation on the phone and they're like, you know, you don't have to hurt anyone. Like, you're still a hunter. And they're trying to appeal to that part of him. Like, mm. you know, you didn't want to hurt people. Like, you you were so against vampires because yeah. they did these things. You don't have to become that. No. And that's been their argument with Sam the whole yeah. time. Well, Sam's like, oh, my destiny. And John's like, you might have to kill him. And they're like, okay, but he doesn't have to make those choices. Yeah. I think it's also, it's sorry, to kind of... That's okay. I'll come back to it. Go, go, go. Tangent, just while it's in my brain. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that Sam's like, I'm inherently a monster. Therefore, I will not make choices to be a monster. Yeah, he's actively Where, working against it. Whereas... Yeah. Gordon became a quote-unquote monster and was like, oh, well, I'm a monster now. It doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. That's what my point was going to be. He became a monster and then he just was immediately, like, just using it as an excuse to do whatever he wants without moral consequences. Yeah. Because he's He's like, I'm a monster now. He's like, well, I'm a vampire now, so, like, that's just who I am. And it's like, no, like, we know that's not the case. Because we've seen it with Lenore and we've seen it with Eli from um, Bloodlust. Yeah. Even in this episode, with a brand new vampire, with Lucy, we saw her saying, like, 
no, like, I would never hurt anyone. Yeah. I would never want to hurt it's anyone. Just trip, like, I'm just tripping. Like, I was hallucinating. And she is like, no, I would never. And we see her base instincts take over when, you know, she's exposed to blood and stuff. Yeah. But her actual personality and yeah. her morals and her ethics are still intact. Mm-hmm. They don't just become null and void. No. Which means that Gordon is absolutely just using this as an excuse yeah. to, like, be insane, yeah. essentially. I'm kind of really disappointed that Gordon and his associate are both dead now because it was one of those layers of like consequences that was coming and it's like oh no it's just gone like I we just killed them both in an episode I'm sure with what's coming like it's more convenient for them not to be in play but also like it's kind of sad also because that other character was fucking comedic as hell and I loved him he was psycho it's unfortunate that this is the last we see of Gordon because as much as he's like one of those characters where you're like oh fuck that guy like but it's because he's so good. Yeah. Like, it's because his acting is so good. He's a very interesting so... character, but as a person, I fucking hate him. Yeah, same with John. Like, yeah. Right? Like, we fucking hate him, but it's also, like, he does provide a lot of interesting conversation. Yeah. So Good for the content. Before we move on too far from the vampires, I want to talk about Lucy very quickly. Because it's a real bummer that they kill her. I understand why... But I wish that there was a way that they could have, like, got her to Lenore or something. Yeah. Because this really comes back to, and we talked about this again back in Bloodlust, I think, when we were saying, you know, the morality of killing a vampire because they don't choose it. Mm -hmm. And this was a very clear example of none of these women in this episode who died, and a lot of women die in this episode, killed on the basis that they're monsters. But, you know, they they were put... In a bad situation. Yeah. They were basically... I mean, they were drugged. Yeah. So that's, like, the plot of the episode is that they were they thought they were going to get a drug, but it ended up being the vampire blood. Mm. Just the big yikes of the consequences. Oh, like, the big yikes of the whole situation. Yeah. But, yeah, she's put in this position, and she's clearly, like, a genuinely good person who would never wish harm on anyone and doesn't, like, can't accept what she's done, assume she's on this drug trip, and if they could have gotten her to Lenore or into, like, if they had more time, maybe they could have done something. But in this scenario, they're just sort of left in that position where it only really makes sense to kill her. I think having the shot of Sam having the, like, empathetic reaction to her death is kind of important in this episode based on what we were just talking about, where it's, like, that choice between if you have something inherently within you... That is monstrous, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. The choices you make are what define you, not your genetic inheritance i guess big yikes all over this episode uh that's kind of a bummer i don't know where to go from there yeah (laughs) so sorry topic change topic change psa for the day i was gonna say i have a guess oh i have a guess is it always check your back seat no (laughs) okay well then i don't know that was my psa because i it's like a safety thing you should check your back seat before you get in the car. Okay, yeah. Just just generally. It doesn't have to be like a very thorough check. Just glance in your back window before you open the door. Make sure that you're not, go- and then you're not expecting to be there. Exactly. Okay, no, my official PSA for this week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You ready for this? I, I'm never quite ready for your PSAs. I'm always excited for them, but I'm never ready. <laughs> There's a difference. One cannot mentally prepare. No. One does not simply mentally prepare for Jamie's PSAs. No, my PSA this week is if you're going to sharpen your fucking knives, hold it at the correct goddamn angle. Oh, yeah. He is straight up blunting the knife. Yeah. I'm like, 
And then he uses it later to, like, shave his arm or whatever. I'm like, that, there is no way in fucking hell yeah. that is sharp enough to shave. Like, you just ruined any edge that blade had. Gone. Yeah. Immediately. Like, Obliterated. And look, I, I am someone who, I really like to cook. I spent quite a bit of money on some really nice expensive chef knives when I moved out of home because, like, I like to cook. I like to keep my knives nice and sharp. Yeah. I'm, I know what I'm about. Honestly, that, that enticing. I was like, oh. Cringe. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Like, you're just watching it happen and you just, like, visceral. We talk a lot about how competent they are as hunters. <laughs> like, that you're is like, something that makes them me. down five pegs. Like, nah, 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 nah. Like, no, no, I think it's actually, is he sharpening a machete in that scene? Yeah, it's usually machetes yeah. for the vampires. Uh, yeah. No, that machete has no edge. It's gone. <laughs> he, like, he directly puts... I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, while we're talking about the machete. Yeah. Uh, and him cutting his arm to, like, yeah. draw the vampire. What a dramatic fucking bitch. Le- <laughs> Am I wrong, Ben? Am I fucking wrong? Uh. Um, well, I was going to say, let's take a moment to talk about how Dean's regard for his own life has really dropped off the face of the planet. Yeah, well, get that. But also, <laughs> there is no reason for it to be that dramatic. <sighs> He's a drama queen and we like, love him. There is surely a more convenient place to cut to, like, get some blood out than the entire, like, the entire way down your fucking forearm. Do you know what fucking That wasn't a little cut. That I know. Do you know what annoys me in this show? They do it. All the fucking time. Every time they need blood or something for like a spell or a sigil or anything. Do you know what they, do you know what they always cut? Palm of the hand? Palm of the fucking hand. I'm like, that is the most inconvenient. (laughs) You need to use that for stuff. Like at least cut the back of your hand. At least cut like, I don't know, put a little slice just above your elbow. Because you're not using that for shit. But the palm of your hand. That is the dumbest fucking place. The, The only time. Where I accept them cutting the palm of their hand is in 1518, and that was for dramatic effect, and I'll accept that, and that only. Every other instance of them Doesn't cutting their palm. 1518 also have the homosexual declaration of love in it, though? Yes. So you can forgive 1518 for a lot. Yes. Well, it's already got, also got the barrier gaze, so we can't. But, but look, Mixed episode, mixed episodes, mixed reactions. There, we'll get there. It'll take us a few Look, years. It wasn't technically bury your gaze until the next episodes when they didn't revive him. Like they, my do thoughts exactly. All the fucking so fifteen eighteen gets a pass. Fifteen nineteen, fifteen twenty are fucking in the trash. Yeah, that goes without saying. So can we avoid watching them? No, I need you to see them. The point, the reason that I wanted to do this podcast, other than the fact that I really desperately needed an outlet and friends <laughs> and friends, that too, is. Because I was trying to explain to you how bad the finale was, and I just knew you weren't getting it. And I was like, I, she needs to see the show so that she can understand why I'm so upset. And so we will get, it'll, we do the maths, it'll take us like six years or something to get to the end of season 15. And then you'll know. It's just my... Like, we talk about the Sarah Gamble long con. Yeah. This is Bethany's long con. It's like, Jamie, you're my friend and I love you, but I do want you to suffer. (laughs) That was evident from the pilot. Yeah. Look, I wasn't hiding it. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) I have a question for you. Yeah. In the motel room, Mm -hmm. throughout the whole episode, I don't think we see the motel room before this, because Mm -hmm. the first time we see the motel room is... 
what, after they've split up and Sam's waiting for Dean to come back, is that right? And he's, like, peering through the window? Yeah, it must be, because that's right at the st- where Dean's yeah. getting the attention with the blood. Yeah. So he comes back through the door, and they, that's all well and good. Did you notice that they've just put the mattresses against the wall? Yeah, like, they put the bed frames underneath to hook in to the like door stop to keep the, it. Which yeah. I understand. The mattresses, I assume, is to protect them from anything coming through the window. Yeah. Which I get. But did you see how many mattresses there were? There were three. How many beds does that room have? Two. Where did they get a third mattress? See, because I also had questions about the motel room. Okay, excellent. Let's, let's do a deep dive here. Because Into the motel room specifically. Every supernatural motel room that I can think of, or almost exclusively, has had two beds. Every time the boys stop at a motel, two beds. Every time, obviously, because they get a double. Why would they pay for a third bed they're not going to use? And they need two beds because there's two of them, right? Makes sense. Every motel room mm. that we have seen thus far yeah. has They had very clearly two specifically request beds. two beds because they're yeah. two people. They don't want to sleep in the same bed. Yeah, you need your fucking space. Yeah. Anyway, so they go in and there's three fucking mattresses. Yeah. And I just wear. Because you can go to reception and be like, hello, can I please get an extra towel? Or hello, an extra blanket. Can I get an extra pillow? You cannot go to a reception and be like, hello, can I please get an extra double mattress? That is not going to happen. See, there's that. The uh, the thing that I noticed about this motel room that yeah. I found baffling. Did you see the bathroom mirror? Probably, but I clearly didn't notice it. So the sink's like this, right? You got the wall, right? Okay. The mirror's like holding. this. Okay. The mirror is on a 45 degree angle, is it's, that? It's angled down towards the sink. It's got, like, oh. two little arms up the top, and it's, like, angled down. That's confusing. Yeah. I'll see if I can get a screenshot of that, the, the specific motel mirror. Also, that's very inconvenient for these boys, because they're very tall. They are very tall. Oh, my <laughs> God. That, <laughs> the fucking fart. Same Where brain like, sets their hooks again. Literally. Where they're, like... Oh, oh, that's concerning. You've got brain rot. It's contagious. <laughs> No, yeah, the part where Gordon and I forget his associate's name go to the hospital to interview the guy that Sam and Dean saved. And they're like, the one identifier they get is that one of them was tall. And it just, it's so funny, the look that Gordon gives. And it's just like, oh my God, must be Sam. Like, no one else is allowed to be tall in this whole show. Also, while we're on this point, the guy who um, they stopped from dying, I love that they fucking, they find him on the ground and they make a point of Sam being like, it's going to be okay. We're going to call you some help. And then yeah. Dean and Sam immediately fuck off. Sam is just looking at this guy fucking bleeding out, not calling for help. They do not show him call yeah. 911. He's just watching this man bleed out. I'm like, Sam, you just said you would call an ambulance. What are you doing, bro? I love you. You're so stupid. What are you doing? And then, <laughs> and then he just shows up with Dean later. So you're like, fuck, like... Oh, anyway, but he's not even trying to stop the bleeding himself. He's just literally watching this man gasp. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the 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 mirror because it blows my mind that you didn't notice it, and it drove me insane. I don't see three mattresses though; I only see two. I swear there are three. There's two. She's calling. He's calling Bella because hilarious. They like. Oh my god! Right, I fucking adore Bella. She is such a good morally gray character. Like she truly is only in it for herself. Yeah. And it's really rare that you come across a character like that who they don't sort of immediately give some kind of arc. Yeah. That, like, makes them actually... Actually, oh, they're the good oh, guy. Oh, I have realised the error of my way. Well, actually, and they now were I am along. good. Yeah, and, like, I love that she's just consistently morally grey. Like, she doesn't have 
a thing that like makes her be like, oh, maybe I'm a bad person. She's like, no, I fucking know who I am. And I'm okay with who I am. And I'm like, fucking love that for you. Okay, so cut to where Jamie has gone back through the episode and found the stills that we were looking for. Yes, they do have more mattresses than they should. In fact, on review, it looks like maybe they have four. So, um, hashtag Beth can't count, I guess. But <laughs> Either way, there is way more than two mattresses. There is more than there should be. And yeah, this the mirror is fucking weird. It's on it looks like it's on like hinges, like adjustable like hinge things. So maybe you yeah. can like fold it back into the wall. But yeah, I like what is the purpose of that? I guess if you're for someone who is short and like you maybe aren't tall enough to see your full face in the mirror, so you pull it down, but you're still gonna get a weird distorted view. Yeah. It's so it's weird. And it doesn't make sense for them to have it tilted down no. because they are too tall. Yeah. Oh, who knows? It is interesting choices. Yeah. Look, if Supernatural does one thing. It's make choices. Yeah. Oh, they make a lot of choices. Speaking of choices, before we move too far away, I do want to talk a bit more about Bella because we get little bits and pieces of her this episode and I just love her and I just, any excuse. The opening sequence is Bella and Gordon. I fucking love it. I love it. The dynamic, the energy, the then shoot me fucking vibe. I literally love, like, she just straight up, is not taking any shit. And he's trying to act like he's holding all the cards. It's like, no. No, she You is. need her help. She has the information, buddy. Like... You cannot shoot her mm-hmm. because if you shoot her... You lose the information. Exactly. Yeah. And she knows that. And she's like, then kill me. Good luck finding Sam and Dean. And I'm like, bitch, I love you. <laughs> I also love that later when she's talking to Dean on the phone, mm-hmm. she's like... Well, he was holding a gun to me. What was I supposed to do? Um, yeah. This no. bitch knows. And I love her for that. I do. I do want to point out that Dean straight up threatens to kill her. Yeah. And he is serious about it. It'd be interesting to see if this is one of those things they remember or one of those things they, they forget. conveniently forget. He basically said, look, as soon as we're fucking dealt with Gordon, if Gordon doesn't kill us, I'm killing you. Yeah. And I do get it. Yeah. Like... I don't understand. I don't get the murder. No. Blanket statement. For legal reasons, I don't condone murder. Full motive, still murder. Exactly. But I do understand him being that livid because she is actively putting him and Sam at risk. And like, she makes the point that, like, you know, well, I had to, like, he had me at gunpoint, but she could have called him back yeah. after Gordon left and be like, hey, heads up, you might want to, like, skip town yeah and she chose not to which yeah. comes back to that like whole morally gray thing she is yeah. only in it for herself but i'm also kind of like babe especially <laughs> considering don't she burn didn't, your bridges she didn't leave on bad terms necessarily yeah exactly like, so i'm kind of like i feel like she's too smart yeah to make that decision so i'm kind of like i wish that they hadn't had her yeah choose to do that because i'm like well she's not like the whole point is that yeah. she's smart yeah She's competent. The way she has kept herself alive and flourishing is by being smarter than the people around her and more devious. And the way to keep yourself alive is not to piss off a Winchester unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, she clearly knows a sh- whole bunch of stuff about the hunting community. Because mm-hmm. as soon as Gordon introduces himself, like, the actress does a phenomenal job. Yeah. It's a little tiny, like, yeah. micro-frown mm-hmm. as, like, she, like, recognises the name and then she, like, puts her poker face back on. Yeah. And it's like, you have me at a disadvantage. She is so smooth. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, leaning into the car, like, 
she's just fixing whatever, like, her bag or whatever she's put in there. Yeah. And then he's, like, looking for... Because she's looking for the gun. But, like, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Like, she's so fucking good at what she does. Yeah, it just seems silly that she would be so, like, flippant about pissing off Sam and Dean. Who, like, are sort of her reluctant allies at this point. Like, they've sort of worked together, sort of, a couple of times now. And, like, last time they didn't leave on bad terms. Like, she could theoretically ask them for help and they would probably help her. Like, there is no reason for her to build, to burn the tentative bridges she's managed to form with these Exactly. It's actually the opposite of tactical. Yeah. It would be good for her to have that connection. Yeah. For occult items. Or, yeah, if something goes wrong and she, like, needs help. Especially considering she wasn't building a bridge with Gordon. Like... No. It's not like she was burning her bridge with the Winchesters because she now had an ally in Gordon. Like, yeah, it just seemed weird. Like, she there's she could have done a lot of things. But, like we said, Bella's a really interesting character because of her moral grain yeah. sort of areas. And that's part of why I think she's so interesting and so fun as a character. So I guess it kind of comes into just into that. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, though, the fact that Dean is now threatening to kill a person, mm. which is new. And then later in the episode, or not that much later, but, like, a minute later... They're like, also, we have to kill Gordon. And Sam's like, yep, I pretty much already came to that conclusion myself. And Dean was like, what did he say? He goes, oh, I was expecting you to do, no, we can't. He's human. It's wrong. You know, thing. And Sam's like, no, he's like, we've given him enough opportunities. And at this point, he's not really leaving us an option. Yeah. And I thought that that was very interesting because up until this point, they've had a very staunch, we don't kill people kind of rule. Hunting people, saving things. The family business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now that they're both kind of like, now are very sort of flippantly yeah. talking about, yeah, we've kind of come to the conclusion that we have to just murder this person. Yeah. Or these two people. And like I said, I do understand the logic for both of the killings. Yeah. It's not like they're like, oh, we're just no. going to kill anyone. I understand Dean wanting to kill Bella. However, I think it's a bad idea. I also don't think that he... Is genuinely gonna kill her. No, I think he would stop at the last minute, but he would do enough to scare her, I think is the point. I think he's very much sort of like, oh, I wanna kill her and I'm gonna threaten her because I wanna kill her, but also I don't think he's ever gonna cross that line unless, like Gordon, it became sort of like. She put him in a position where it was like, well, unless I kill you, you're gonna kill me. So, or in this case, Sam. Yeah. It is interesting though, I find that like the show, they didn't let anyone kill Gordon until he was a monster. Yeah. Like, and arguably as a human, he, he was, was already a monster. A monster Hence but, his whole, oh, I'm a monster now. I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's just fine because I'm a monster. Yeah, exactly. So I do think it's interesting that they were like, we'll wait until he is actually physically a vampire until they can, can kill him. Yeah. Anywho, I also want to very quickly talk about when we, while we're still sort of talking about Bella and Gordon, the quote where she's like, what do you want with the Winchesters or whatever? And he goes, Sam Winchester's the Antichrist. <laughs> and he just says it so bluntly. And it's so funny. Because you just think about Sam as a character. Like, if you just think to, like, Bad Day at Black Rock. And him just, like, fumbling around and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, every time he bumps into someone. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, that's the fucking Antichrist. I'm pretty sure at so some point funny. there is, like, literally the Antichrist, though. And I don't think it's Sam. I think there is actually a character who is, like, the traditional Antichrist in terms of, like, the son of, like, Lucifer or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, the devil or Satan or whatever. It's actually really funny because you, you're you talking about one character. Mm. That's actually not the character I was thinking of. Yeah. So okay. there's 
Actually, that's one of the few... There's, like, a couple of Supernatural episodes where they mention Australia. And the episode that I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure at the end, like, the... Uh, like victim of the week kind of situation. I'm pretty sure they move to Australia. Like I'm pretty sure they go to Australia at the end, and it's like them like getting away from everything. They're like, oh, I'll just go to Australia. That's far enough away. <laughs> as far as I know, like who knows? The Sam plotline could be that he is actually the Antichrist. Yeah, in which case we have to apologize to Gordon. In <laughs> Mary had an affair with the devil. <laughs> Still a better father than John Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Actually, on that point. Let's talk for a second about how the vampire in this episode that's turning all those people mm. is talking about how, like, he was so stupid and he exposed his family to hunting and how, like, it got his children, like, it put his children in danger and got them killed. And I was like, are we drawing John parallels to this fucking vampire that's looking at the beheaded corpses of its two children? He's still somehow a better parent than John. <laughs> just... Oh, God. Anyway, sorry, what was the point you were going to make? Oh, no, I just, look, I might be wrong with my predictions. He might genuinely be the Antichrist. I don't think so. I don't think Sam's the Antichrist. Like, obviously, he was created for some sort of leadership position in hell. Yeah. Hence the whole, oh, boy, king, bloody, lead the army, blah, 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 fucking bullshit. But as far as I know... Sam's He's not, not the Antichrist. The anti- like, I don't think that's the correct terminology for what Sam is. Sure. Because uh, as far as I know, Antichrist has very specific connotations of, like, literally has to be the child of the devil. I don't actually know specifically. The a- Antichrist Nine is times very- out of ten, anytime I've seen Antichrist used, it is, like, literally, like, the child, child of Satan kind of yeah. thing. Okay. So... I've never really looked into it that specifically. But, yeah, as far as I know, there is someone... Or maybe multiple someones who fits that definition a hell of a lot better than in Sam later seasons than Sam Winchester. So I think it's very funny that he's like, "Oh yeah, he's the Antichrist." I'm like, yeah, it is. It is funny, and he says it with such like confidence, and he's so deadpan about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, but still should have been able. While we're on the topic of Sam and Gordon, we did touch on this earlier, but I do want to like specifically go over it a little bit. When Gordon says that he and Sam are the same now, and that he understands what it's like to walk around with something evil inside him. And I'm like, bro. And like, we touched on this earlier, but it's like that whole thing of like, okay, but you still get, you still have choices. Yeah. Like, you can still choose. Yeah. To not murder. And obviously, (laughs) if it gets to the point where you no longer have conscious control over yourself, that's different. But also, like, yeah, he just sort of goes, oh, I'm a monster now, so it doesn't matter that I killed some people. Like, yeah. And also, he says to Sam that it's a shame that he won't do the right thing and kill himself. What the fuck? Like, big yikes right there. This whole episode is just, like, big yikes. Mm, honestly. Yeah, and like like we said, like, Sam isn't letting the, like, quote-unquote evil inside him dictate who he is. Yeah. He is, like, actively repressing that and, shit. And, like, reflecting like, on it and being like, look, this is... Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I just wanted to touch on it very briefly, that particular quote and stuff. And then, like, you come back... Like, earlier on in the episode, and it's Sam not having any Adine shit. Yeah. Uh, which we also sort of, I think, should talk about. Again, touched on it briefly already. But uh, mm-hmm. did you have anything that you wanted to talk about specifically with, with Dean in this episode? I've got a few points, but... I think the most interesting thing to touch on is actually the last scene. Yeah. The very last scene where he's mm-hmm. teaching Sam how to fix the car. Yeah. Because up to this point, we've seen Sam and Dean handle Dean's imminent death. 
with more of the sort of like, oh, well, whatever I fucking do doesn't matter. I'm going to die anyway. Yeah. Whereas Which is kind of Dean's attitude through the episode. It really, it kind of flips and he goes, well, I'm going to die. So what I do really matters because it's yeah. what Sam's going to be able to. It becomes like, because I'm going to be gone, how do I prepare Sam for that reality? Yeah. I agree. I think it's very interesting. I also think it's his like parental instincts coming out in full force. And I do think it's also super interesting that it comes off the back of the conversation with Sam, where, like I said before, like he's just not taking Dean's shit. And it's after the vampire said, you know, do you know what that's like when you just don't give a damn? It's like being dead already. Yeah. And like I said, right at the top of the episode, like Dean's regard for his own life and his own like personal safety. Always been low. Always been low. Now this this season, this season is just like out the window. Like even in the first episode of the season, he was straight up like ready to go on suicide missions because he's like, well, I'm already dead, you know? And I think he's basically said as much. It doesn't matter because I am like going to be dead already anyway. Um, What's the difference in me dying like four months earlier? Exactly. That's, and that's sort of his like point of view. It's obviously incorrect. But it's a point of view, technically. it's, It's the point of view that he's, he's taken. Then you've got Sam who is saying to him like you know Dean's like oh I'm not scared of anything and and he keeps ter- making jokes and Sam says you know quit turning everything into a punchline and I was like LMAO come for his life that's all that boy ever does but yeah Sam says you know I've been looking up to you since I was four I've always been trying to be like my big brother and this is exactly how you act when you're terrified so don't fucking tell me you're not scared don't try and tell me that you're okay I fucking know that you're not yeah, and then that sort of translating into Dean at the end of the episode sort of being like, okay, Sam actually needs me to prepare him for a life without me rather than trying to sort of put off talking about the inevitable. Yeah. Oh, I do want to talk about when they're talking to – is Lucy the first one who's a vampire and she gets out and she starts – Yes. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was approached by this guy at a bar. He was, like, kind of old. Like 30. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> That is a choice and a half. I know. And it's like, fuck it. It's so funny. It it made me really think of um, Bo Burnham's Inside and the song 30. It, yeah. It really just made me think of that. It's very funny. I was like, damn. Basically ancient. I also noticed that they specifically called it a talking board, not a Ouija board. Yeah, because of like copyright and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to quickly talk about when Gordon has lured them to the warehouse and they are running with the girl that he has turned into a vampire. And they get separated by a roller door. Yeah. Now, they try kicking the roller door. At no point do either of them try lifting the fucking roller door. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I love you. You're a bit fucking thick. That's not how roller doors work. You, you have to lift them. They go up and down. They don't go in and out. Like, I don't know what they were fucking thinking. They, they were certainly making some um, interesting choices there. <laughs> Look, I have a couple of logistics questions about this episode. Oh, I love when you have logistics questions. They're always fun. Okay, so they barricade themselves in the motel room. They the, crush the their phones, yeah. remove their scent, etc. Mm-hmm. And then Gordon calls them on the new phone number, right? Yeah. And is like, oh, well, your scent was all over the phone store. I'm like, did you smell the number? <laughs> <laughs> like, his, how do phone stores work in the US? Because in Australia... Just because you were in a phone store, A, doesn't mean you bought a phone. Yeah. B, there are fucking privacy laws that mean that you can't just go up to, like, the counter or whatever and be like, oh, hi, the guys who were just in here, one was really tall. You understand my point, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how the fuck did he get the number? 
like I said, did he smell it out? Is he just in there, like, smells like O double four? Like, it, it makes no sense. Like, logistically, how does he get the phone number? I, I, li- I can't tell you. I have no answer. I'm really sorry. Like, because the reason he gives is that he could smell them in the phone store. That means jack fucking shit. Yeah. I just, I think it's so funny. Like, like just wow, around, you know like, they got no phones. That's it. Yeah. Can you imagine he just, he's just, can you imagine you're working at, like, Telstra or, like, Optus <laughs> and some fucking dude comes in looking high out of his mind and yeah. he's just sniffing? I would call security, I think. Many choices were made here. Sarah Gamble, we usually are a fan of your writing. This episode, we have some questions. <laughs> also, another logistics question, more like char- maybe character motivation. Sam is, like, moving around quite a bit in the dark, right? He's a fucking vampire. He has super hearing. I know. Where Your thought process behind... What confused me, actually, about that scene, and I was thinking while I was watching, I was like, it's dark like clearly sam cannot see well right yeah does it not make more tactical sense to like have a wall to your back yes 100 percent. have your machete have the wall to your back and just sort of have your machete like going like these yeah you know, like swinging it back and forth like just have a wall to your back so that you yeah. have one less area that you have or back yourself into a corner like stop normally, moving around normally, so fucking much backing yourself into a corner would not be a good thing however in this scenario at least you've got two Walls. Walls. Where you're like, okay, well, I can't possibly be attacked from where the wall is. Yeah. But he's just, like, walking around with his fucking back. There is a point where he backs onto a wall, but then he moves off of it. I'm like, bruh, just found a wall. still. You're not going to find him by, like, sticking your hand out into the dark. He will come to you. Just stand still. The inherent comedic value, though, of, like, the night vision camera, where you can just see Sam, like, fucking floundering. Yeah. Oh, it is fucking funny. Um, oh, actually, also, the part where Sam decapitates Gordon, very gruesome with the barbed wire. Also, not possible at all. But, like... But, again, how fucking strong is Sam Winchester? I was going to say, it, what was it, Dead in the Water, dead where you were water. like, how buff is Sam, actually? And the spirit yeah. flips a boat with his bare fucking hands, and then he Sam manages is able to... to overpower it. And do you know what's so funny is when you asked in that episode, when you were like, how buff is Sam actually? I was like, I cannot mention anything about demon blood. So (laughs) I was like, I was like, let's get off this topic real fucking quick. But yeah, like how buff is Sam actually is actually a pretty legitimate question. Like what kind of fucking strength does this boy have? Because you've got Jake, who obviously kills Sam in the end of season two, who's like super ability is super strength. And we also know that with practice and training, the sidekick kids have essentially all the same powers. It's just which one manifests, right? Yeah. So technically, Sam is real fucking buff. He just doesn't really use it. But it does kind of answer that question. (laughs) What if he, oopsie doopsie, had super strength as well? Oopsie doopsie. Love an oopsie doopsie. Yeah, so maybe he just used his, like, super Oh my god, I know this isn't how it works, but I just thought of a concept that would be really fucking cool. Okay. Right? What if the reason they had to do the Demon Blood Hunger Games, Psychic Children <laughs> Hunger Games at the end, yeah. right, was because if you killed another Psychic Children, you got their ability. Oh! So the reason Ava got so many new abilities is because she killed... because she had killed them? Dude! I know that's not how it works, but The how... good supernatural that lives in your fucking mind. <laughs> how fucking insane, because like, I was just thinking, like, because Sam killed... Okay, stop. He got the super strength. Stop, you're blowing my mind. Okay. But, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So hear me out. Hear me out. So they initially have... And that's why I have to have them all kill each other. They initially have the power because Azazel feeds them the blood, right? Yeah. Right? Can you imagine if from that point it was like... It was like a blood like ritual and they like had to kill the other psychics and then like ingest their blood or some shit and then they could like they get Azazel's initial power. Yeah. And then with each fucking psych like they get dude. Yeah. Like fucking baseball cards, like collector. <laughs> but like and that would here's the thing, that would tie the psychic children hunger games would make so much more fucking sense. Oh, that's because crazy. of course they have to kill the other psychics to so they can get one super powerful psychic yeah. to lead the army of hell. Because otherwise, fucking it's like, mic drop. Our uh, mics on the table. I can't do that. But. Azazel, take fucking notes. <laughs> I know that's not how it works no, because but it you're is right. directly contradicted so by canon. Good. But canon schmanon, we we live by the Wild West rules. <laughs> that is crazy though because. You're right. It, it always confused me. I was like, all right, I get why they have to, like, battle it out to find, like, the one leader or whatever. But also, like, you're killing off so many people who, like, if they're on your team, huge assets. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, okay, let's say that if, like, Ava had won, mm. right? If she yeah. had won Psychic Boot Camp. Hell would have won. The Earth is now gone. Oh, immediately. She was... Hyper-competent in every aspect, and she was fucking robbed. Right. So, but say she had won. Surely... Ava would need, like, a second-in-command. Yeah. Kind of fucking... Like, surely there should be a hierarchy. Because what if Ava dies? Mm. Then what? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Jake won. Yeah. Jake killed Sam. Yes. And if... Meaning Jake won. Meaning but, Jake won. And then Jake got killed. By Sam. By Sam. Yeah. But <laughs> here's the thing. If Sam hadn't been resurrected... Yeah. The chances are Dean would have killed Jake anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And then they have no leader. And they've got no psychic children left. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. Man, your plan is way better. I'm glad you're not an evil demon. We'd all be dead. (laughs) Also, just the structure of the Demon Hunger Games. Like, why not run a whole bunch of mini ones with, like, ten contestants? And then, like, so you got a hundred kids, right? Mm -hmm. You run ten mini ones with ten contestants each, right? And then from that, you run one, then final Hunger Games with the ten contestants that won each of their games. it comes down to? I think it comes down to uh, lack of resources. Azazel was like a one-man show. He could only do so much. Well, he should have applied for more grant funding. (laughs) He should have had some interns. (laughs) Anyway, moving on from from that. This is is old news. What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm sharing my theory. No, I love your theory. I love your theory so much. Is a more interesting take, and it's not my fault the Supernatural writers didn't listen to this podcast before they wrote the episode. Oh, okay. One one last thing that I wanted to point out from this episode. Yeah. At the end, when Sam and Dean are by the Impala, and Dean is teaching Sam how to repair baby, the green esky that they sit on, yeah. that prop, it, it's not important, but it does hang around oh. forever. It's just one of the... Like, an, so they're and, too broke to buy a new esky. Yeah. Okay. No, no, but they like they just have it forever, and like it's so funny. Like sometimes it's got beer in it, sometimes it's got green smoothies that Sam's made in it, sometimes it's got a decapitated head in it. Like it's just it's they're just not kind squeamish about mixing their food and their monsters. Yeah. It's just kind of there, and like every you get to see it every now and again, and it's always kind of fun to see what's inside this time. And you know this time it's a seat as well. Yeah. Like so that green esky is just like it's kind of like their guns. Yeah. Or, like, any of those, like, long... Or, like, uh, D 
de- uh, Ruby's demon knife. Yeah. Like, it's just that kind of prop that just hangs around a long time. Yeah. Or, like, um, Dean's necklace. You get yeah. so familiar with it. It's not important at all. But yeah. it's just kind of... It's when you see it, you're like, oh, it's that little green ASCII. You know? So it shows up every now and again. And it's like, oh, there it is. They've still got it. They didn't get a new one. Love that for them. The inherent tragedy of getting a new ASCII. <laughs> or as the New Zealanders would say, a chili bin. They call it a chili bin? As far as I know, they call it a chili bin. Oh, that's This might so just be like cute. a classic internet misinformation thing. Oh, yeah. But I've seen it like mentioned multiple times that they call Eskies chili bins. I'm going to actually Google that's, it just to make sure. I hope that's the case because I fucking love that. Informal, a portable, insulated container with provision for packing food and drinking ice. Yeah, an Eskies a chili bin. Aww. That's what they call it. That's a bit fucking They might cute. call it other things. As well, but they, they, it's definitely like a slang for... I love that. Or the Americans call it a cooler. I do want to just briefly, briefly, briefly touch <laughs> on the fact that once again, they've made desperation and loneliness yeah. the excuse for murdering people, essentially. Yeah, you're not wrong. So usually they kind of assign loneliness to Dean and desperation to Sam. It's a one-two combo. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you're right. And then they routinely give it to monsters as well. And I think it's kind of like both like a mirror kind of parallel kind of thing. Mm. And I think it's also really interesting because the brothers are sort of given an excuse to be like, well, because of this, we'll like excuse your questionable behavior. But the monsters aren't given that same. Yeah. It's like, oh, this excuse doesn't excuse your questionable because behavior. You're a yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, damn, guys, check your fucking standards before you are guilty of hypocrisy. Like, fuck. Yeah, so I thought it might be interesting just to mention that one. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's a reoccurring pattern. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about it a couple of times, especially especially like with Sam and Desperation recently. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot. And we also talked about loneliness specifically in skin. I know we talked about that a yeah. lot. Because that's the excuse the shifter, the shifter gives. Has. Yeah. It's interesting to see some of these themes cropping up that, like, if we were watching it more casually, or you would never watch this casually, because no. this is the only, the only way in which you would watch the show, but... When I first watched Look, it. And it's unethical to recommend Supernatural to other people. <laughs> when I first watched it and on any like, you know, episode rewatches that I've done, because I've actually never done a full rewatch. This is the first time I've ever rewatched. Yeah, I know, because you didn't remember half of season three. <laughs> We've talked about this. But, You're like, I don't remember it. I was asleep and I never went back because I didn't really <laughs> like season three. I was like, that does not bode well for this season in my brain. Yeah, yeah it's interesting to sort of watch it with more of a... Uh, intent and so like noticing these like themes and patterns a lot more it's certainly been a very interesting rewatch actually it's been really cool because it's sort of like rediscovering things about a show that i know really well but they're and also just forcing me to watch it oh yeah and i love getting your reactions it's great <laughs> yeah no i think and it is interesting as well to see like the things that you pick up on that i don't or mm. that i didn't the first time did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for this episode no that was all i had so in that case how would you rate out of five this episode of Supernatural. I'm going to give this episode a three out of five. A three out of five. Very interesting episode, I think, is probably a good way to describe it. Yeah. But I didn't find it particularly enjoyable. A lot happens. Yeah. And we obviously have, like, Gordon's arc being wrapped up, which mm. is pretty significant. It's also very heavy, this episode. And it also feels very, um, it feels like, it definitely feels like they were designing that character to have a much longer arc. I'm, and it just feels kind of incomplete. Yeah, which is in, it's unfortunate, um, but obviously, like, that's just the realities of the yeah. industry sometimes, I guess. Like, they can't have everything that they yeah. want to have. 
Yeah, no, okay. I stand by the three. I think yeah. I agree. You know, it's a it's a good episode. There's yeah. nothing inherently like it's not bad. I'm I'm not. Yeah, it's just it, it's it, important to note that yeah, three in my brain is not a bad episode. Anything two point five or below is a bad episode. Yeah, <laughs> it was fine, but there wasn't anything particularly stand out. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. I um I agree, and it's a pretty heavy episode, which I think doesn't help. No, because a lot of the time when Supernatural is like really really enjoyable, like outright yeah. enjoyable to watch. It comes from either the most emotional episodes yeah. or the funniest episodes. Yeah. And these episodes where they're very um, sort of lore heavy, while they're yeah. good, do tend to be a little less like entertaining, yeah. as it were. Anywho, the next episode is titled A Very Supernatural Christmas. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears about that? I'm going to take a stab in the dark mm. and say it's a Christmas episode. Oh, well, we'll just have to wait and see, Jamie. Maybe, maybe Santa Claus is actually evil and they have to kill him. Fun. I know. Really into the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Here uh, in February. <laughs> <laughs> Look, one way or the other, I think it's going to be a fun episode. Yeah. Because I have seen it on lists of the weirdest supernatural episodes of all time. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Also, next week, special guest. We do have a special guest, so we are going to be joined next week by KJ from Supernatural Opinions, so hopefully you guys are looking forward to that as well. We definitely are, and if you haven't heard about their podcast before, which I would be shocked if you've heard of us but not them, but you should absolutely go and check them out at Supernatural Opinions. I'm pretty sure they have the same handle across all platforms. If I'm wrong about that, I will correct myself in the show notes, so just have a double check, but absolutely you should check out KJ's show. Okie dokie, so that brings us to the end of our episode, but if you would like to interact with us any more, then you can always hit us up on our socials. You can find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPigsPod, and I feel like it would be super fun. Have you ever heard of that thing where it's like, describe a movie plot, but do it badly? I feel like we could do something similar, but just with describing Sam and Dean. I mean, Sam's tall. Sam's tall, and that is the only thing we need to know. So I feel like head over to Twitter and just tweet at Jamie like, you've heard of Sam and Dean, now get ready for tall and freckles. Like, how would you describe them if you could only use like one characteristic? I think Beth's a little more like character analysis based though. So send her how you describe them emotionally. Oh my God, yes. So you can find her on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. I'm thinking like fucking desperate and repressed. <laughs> That's, that's personally how I'd do it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have better descriptions for them? One word. Their entire emotional state. <laughs> I can't leave this in, but gutted and redacted. Anyway, that sounds hilarious. So, yeah, feel free to hit us up. And if you have any other things that you wanted to chat about, about this episode, about any of the episodes we've already covered, you can always feel free to hit us up about those as well. Like we said, Twitter at DriverPicksPod and Tumblr at DriverPicksThePodcast. And hopefully we'll have you back again next week for our episode with KJ.